the database, it really is, um, is this harnessing, right, of real world health data right now and how we can put it together and how consumers, when they finally are being put in charge of their healthcare data, what are they going to do with that? Because remember, the element that is a variable that changes the future, no matter what kind of crystal ball you have, is always the user. Hi, and welcome to another Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield, and today I have the pleasure of having in the studio with me Maria Lenzing. Maria is the Vice President of Healthcare Solutions at AT&T, and she's responsible globally for the uh, strategy, sales, and technical teams developing solutions for the healthcare industry. Hi, Maria. Welcome to the show. Hi, Des. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I've actually been looking forward to catching up with you for a while. Uh, we caught up at the AT&T Business Summit, which we'll chat about a bit more uh, I had the pleasure of having you on camera, so I've, uh, I've had a long list of questions I wanted to chat about uh, with you. But before we dive into your role and the detail of what that entails and what a day in the life of Maria Lensing uh, is like, I wonder if you'd mind if we just take a couple of seconds just to get to know you a bit better, uh, maybe just a little bit of your background, where you're from originally, where you grew up, any anecdotal highlights of your academic and career path so far to get you to this exciting role? <laughs> sure. I love where I came from. I grew up in Peru, uh, in South America. I came to the United States because actually my baby brother had cancer, so they had to bring him here because he had a, a rare disease, and that's what brought us to Memphis, Tennessee. I consider Memphis, Tennessee my hometown. I spent over 20 years there, and I went into electrical engineering. Funnily enough, that's not because I wanted to be a doctor, because I actually did. I spent so much time with just incredible healthcare providers and, and doctors that were able to you know, save my brother's life. But I have a little problem with blood. And so <laughs> that career kind of came, uh, became an, something I couldn't pursue. So I thought, hey, the closest thing to nerve endings, because my brother has a brain injury, it's uh, similar to electrical circuits. So maybe I'll study electrical engineering and go into biomedical engineering and be able to help him in the future. And would you know it? I actually, through the engineering track, fell in love with networking and data and, um, and just kind of took that turn. And life is funny, right? That's because look at this. I did engineering. I went to AT&T. You know, I've, I kid around and say that I've built the AT&T networks. I've installed them. Uh, I went and sold them. Then I went to another company to run IT operations globally. So I've been a customer of AT&T. And then I've come back to do everything from business strategy to, you know, helping with the direction of the company. And now in full circle, you know, um, now I'm leading the healthcare vertical for AT&T. So that which was the beginning of my, my migration to the United States and the life that I continue to live very closely as a patient uh, through my brother and, and my elderly dad now, I'm able to look through that lens to provide the services and solutions that we bring to the market to help those professionals, healthcare professionals, do the best they can. Wow, that's an amazing background. I did notice that you came from an engineering background, and uh, like you, I started out as a, a system admin network engineer and came all the way through the ranks. So it was interesting to see that because I think a lot of the most successful people I've seen in, in roles, you know, as exciting as yours, have come from a, a you know a, a mix of technical and business background, but certainly some hands-on experience that kind of gives you that insight into you know I guess who you're trying to build the solutions for. And it was interesting to see that you took some time to work for. Uh, 
uh, was at Rockwell Collins, I think, and, and had a chance to sort of see what it was like at the other end of the, the challenge of receiving services. And now you're back into that business of delivering services. But um, sounds like some great outcomes from your family background. And um, yeah, interesting that you've gone from network engineer to now, I guess, uh, engineering brain solutions. So um, maybe a little insight into the role itself. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an amazing role and, and, and we did have a great conversation about it on Canberra, but for folk who weren't uh, able to catch that interview and or maybe haven't seen it yet, um, could you maybe just uh, give us a little bit more insight into kind of what the Vice President of Healthcare Solutions at AT&T role entails? What's the general remit and, and you know, what do you cover in that role in, in itself? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, it's funny, I don't have one day that is similar to the next. Um, and I love the role because it brings the challenges that are new almost every day, but in general, right? Um, the role requires many different aspects of it, uh, of you as a person, as a learner, because I think a lot of the technical backgrounds, engineers, we think logically and, and we tend to want to sell, solve problems. So in this role, I do spend uh, a good at 20% of my time with the strategy, right? How and, and learning and reading a lot of medical journals, uh, keeping up with some of the latest technologies and thinking about how, how are these trends that are happening, not just in this industry, but in others, going to be able to come into this, into our environment to change it in, in the healthcare industry. I spent a lot of time with customers, probably that's about 50% of my time. I'm talking to the different head of healthcare solutions some of the payers in the industry, what are they doing? Medical device manufacturers looking at their innovations, third-party uh, solutions that are coming to, to the market and how are they going to influence what we're seeing? I spent another 10% right of just what I call administrative work. And if you look at what's left, um, the rest of the time is my people. I am big on the team. How are they doing? What do they need to be successful? And we should always remember that in these roles, we're here to serve. We serve different communities. We serve the communities of our clients. So my responsibility to have that strategy time to learn about their space. I serve my employees who are dependent on me to remove obstacles from their way. And of course, you know, serving, like I said, um, a myriad also my company to make sure that we're doing the right things for the right, uh, for the right people. And that in turn always turns into revenue because when you do the right thing and you have the right passion and you do it with, with the right intent, good things come. So that's what my day is like. I'm usually in a plane every week. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, and I'm usually just, um, as a matter of fact, I'll be in a plane in two weeks to be with you over in Orlando in Hims. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to that, actually. Um, me too. I mean, we, we first met at the AT&T Business Summit, as I mentioned, and, and, you know, it's great to chat to you now, but I'm really excited to catch up with you at the uh, Healthcare Information Management Systems uh, event, Hims as we call it, um, a conference in uh, uh, Orlando in Florida in a couple of weeks. Um, and in fact, I'd like to I'd like to cover that and a bit more. Um, but before we talk about hymns, the event itself, because there's a lot of exciting things I'd like to ask you about what's coming up there. Um, I'm keen to get a bit more of a broad picture about what's going on in healthcare in general in your world, uh, just to sort of set the scene of, of what's happening today in in healthcare, the healthcare industry, and I guess what AT&T is doing and and what you and your team are bringing to the market. Um, you know, what do you see as some of the bigger challenges that healthcare is going through right now as they move towards the whole challenge of digital transformation? Sure. I think healthcare right now is looking at, are my strategies in place, right, migrating or shifting the way they need to to support what's coming in the future? Right now, they need to be looking at the investments they're making, whether that's they're building the right 
um, some people call it network. I like to think of it as the platform, right? Infrastructure network platform to support the advancement that we're seeing coming in the future. That includes plans around 5G and what it means in their space, right? LTE, Wi-Fi. Um, how are they going to be dealing with the second topic, which is data, the growth of data that is coming in their space? And how is that data aggregated? How is that data consumed? What's going to be happening as far as data that is currently in a specific areas, for example, with an electronic card management. So it might be the provider that has some data, but there's data coming from devices like your Fitbit or other wellness monitoring devices. How is that data going to be aggregated and insight being thrown from it? So again, the how this is exploding data environment. And the next piece is the IoT, like many devices that are producing data, but still devices that are coming into your space how do you manage them? How do you make sure that you have a way to control them? How to keep secure? So cybersecurity continues to be something that actually traverses all industries, but in healthcare and with healthcare records and dealing with people's lives and some of their private information, that's something that we also continue to have as a top priority. So when you look at what are they facing is the current healthcare providers are having to look at how do I engage my patients? How do I engage my doctors? How do I engage my payers? How do we engage all these different communities within the healthcare ecosystem in a way that prepares me for the future? There's a lot of big challenges in all of that. I mean, you know, just operating a hospital or some healthcare provider, some form itself is a big enough challenge. And you know, they go through the usual ups and downs on funding and uh, you know, emerging technology making some of that easy for them. But it seems to me there's like a tsunami of challenges and change coming at them with telehealth health requirements, um, artificial intelligence and machine learning underneath that. And hopefully deep learning will be able to be plugged into it at some point, but it's a slightly bigger challenge. The whole sensor space, I mean, hospitals are just, you know, built around sensors and machines that go beep. Um, and so I think IoT is a, a fantastic fit, uh, but it's a massive challenge to try and integrate because, you know, going from machines that are, Sensing data, whether it's your heart rate or your blood pressure or your temperature, where you you know normally a nurse would walk up and write up a piece of paper. Now we're talking about connecting them together and putting them in systems, the security and the connectivity around that. And then there's other exciting things around that whole you know mixed reality space, space of virtual reality or more likely augmented reality. This must be such a heady challenge for these operators. I'm assuming that they're coming to you saying this is we're we're swamped. We we were busy enough just running our organisations in healthcare. <laughs> what can AT&T business do for us? So, I mean, what are some of the emerging uh, technologies that you see healthcare need to be aware of in this space? Because there's a lot of moving parts. Yes, I mean you mentioned many of them, but you couldn't be more correct, right? Our conversations today, and I love them. It's about focusing on what do you want to do. Right. So I think first and foremost, the identity of each one of these providers is something they come to the table with. Who do I want to be? Who in the in the near future? Because nobody can predict three to five years. This the technology is moving way too quickly. So at least for the next couple of years, who do I want to be, and how do I want to be known? And in order to be that, then we need to be looking and learning about 5G and what does it mean, really? Right. What? How is that implemented? What can it bring to me? What is the potential of virtual reality and um, augmented reality in the healthcare space? We also need to be looking at artificial intelligence. Like you said, how is that going to be deployed? How is it going to be integrated into our current space? And what can it benefit um, 
for our clients, our, our consumer experiences. Then the other piece that is, is like I said, data. Um, is this growth of IoT. As you know, we've seen in AT&T, we have 48 million connected devices. And likewise, many hospitals have tons of other devices in their space. But what's the next generation of that? What are some tools that can help us not just have data running at us, but with that AI piece in it, immediately have an actionable insight that we can operate on to be able to provide better patient outcomes. That's, those are the key things. And then uh, blockchain. As you start looking also at some of the clinical processes that are happening in the background, um, blockchain becomes a technology that I encourage our um, many of our healthcare strategy discussions to have a double click on. That's what we like to say. I like that, a double click. Well, it's definitely, I mean, and again, blockchain is one of those very fast moving things. The interesting thing about healthcare is there's such a massive amount of data, both in real time and short to medium term and long term, they've got to sustain. And, you know, I might break my leg in January and then I don't turn up until October, November to get it checked or scanned again. And then maybe five years later, I end up with an itch and it turns out to be something more serious. They've got to keep all that data, they've got to retain it, they've got to secure it. Uh, that, that itself is a big challenge. I think blockchain can certainly make some of that easier for them because if I turn up with my general practitioner and they've got access to the same blockchain securely, they can look up my records without having to do what I do today because my son broke his leg when we were in holiday uh, in the US over Christmas in New York and uh, we had to go through the process of getting scans, MRI scans, et cetera, et cetera. And we had to bring all that documentation and x-rays back home and then check them into the system. You know, I kept thinking, gosh, if it was just on a blockchain, this would be so much easier. Um, now, I, I was really keen to touch on the augmented reality piece there because I think there's a, I've seen a lot of stuff happening in there. I think this is a natural fit for what AT&T business is going to be able to make possible above and beyond the traditional telco and, and carrier space because I can imagine that we can see new doctors coming in, into the market where they don't have a lot of experience in certain things or don't understand certain technologies or devices. Overlaying augmented reality seems to be a, a really exciting fit for them where they can whether they have a screen or a tablet or a phone or, uh, you know, glasses and overlay information so that when they look at me, they can sort of see my heart rate appear on the screen and whatnot. And I guess we've had a taste of that with the, the Pokemon game that um, I saw an interesting article the other day saying that the makers of the, the recent Pokemon game are now worth something like $4 billion. So if anyone's questioning mm -hmm. the value of investing in augmented reality in healthcare, then they should have a look at what happened when they made a game. Um, now, I know you did a really exciting survey recently, um, and I think, uh, and I'll quote it from memory, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you did a new survey that showed something like four in 10 healthcare IT leaders said that they won't need to upgrade their organization's computing power, and I guess all the infrastructure around that, which I was surprised by, uh, because a lot of the other industries are saying uh, something different. Um, but in the next three or so years, they were saying they're prioritizing AI and big data and IoT and, and other exciting fast emerging technologies. But I'm wondering, are they going to be caught out by surprise? I mean, if they're not updating the, the core network and infrastructure and platform as you, you described it, are they going to get caught out in some way uh, unwittingly if they don't have that also on their radar and, and on the agenda in the boardroom? Yes. I mean, you know, when you say to your point, and by the way, that was accurate, four of them are saying this is not a priority for us. It really forces me to maybe question, um, maybe there's so many competing priorities that they had, the, you know, kind of lowered the prioritization around this environment. But personally, I still see many of the more ambitious, right, healthcare providers that have clear defined plans to grow, having an understanding that there's going to be a greater demand for more bandwidth. So they are looking at 
more computing power and how much that will be needed and putting that in their plans. But they also have a clear understanding of what these mixed realities, right, are going to bring as far as demand of that computing power into their space. So I have to believe that maybe these, you know, four out of 10 haven't yet defined. That's what I say. It's so important, right, that they have a clear understanding of where they want to be and what it requires so that they can prioritize accordingly what is the different areas that they need to go into. But again, personally, I do believe that the computing power is actually going to be more needed than than less. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 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 one of those things where it's it's almost uh, talking to another other industry players, whether it's uh, wealth management, finance, insurance, banking. And they've got you know obviously it's not healthcare uh, specifically, but they've got a similar set of challenges in that they've got more communications required. They've got data storage. So I imagine the advice is that uh, those big moving uh, new exciting things of AI, big data, IoT, etc., and I guess the underpinning five G. Uh, don't underestimate the uh, network and, and data and, and so forth that's going to be in place to fundamentally support that and the connectivity. And I guess security is a big issue as well. Is that, I mean, this must be, when we think about security in general and the security of the data and the cybersecurity risks, this must be a hot topic that people are talking about. Uh, are there any insights you could sort of share about what's happening in the industry around that that topic in general? Oh, absolutely. I mean, actually, that survey alone said that 47% right, of the people surveyed are concerned with privacy and security implications. So you know that security is top of mind. Um, now, for what we're seeing in the industry, as you may be aware, in other areas, there are cyber ransom, there are cyber attacks, There's um, and what they can do as far as getting information. And no matter how secure you think you are, you really need to be exploring those. We did see, based on that survey, that many of the healthcare um, environments feel comfortable with their current solutions in place. Um, 75% of the healthcare IT leaders were saying that they believe right, their existing networks can deliver on the security needs of the future, um, which is, to be candid, not that rare because, again, healthcare as an industry this has always been very careful, um, heavily regulated, right? So we also have government rules uh, around what is it that we need to do to protect our privacy and information in this space. But nonetheless, I do like to think that they are um, taking into mind that just like they are thinking about how to be safe, there yeah. are agents out there that are thinking, how do I attack and penetrate? Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So, so we always need to measure that, you know, hey, we're fa- we're, we feel comfortable, we're meeting our requirements, but we should also keep doing things to try to make sure that we are keeping up to date with the latest and greatest. And at AT&T, we like to uh, host hackathons. So we actually invite people in the industry, right, to say, come hack an environment safely. And that reveals a lot of the different holes or, you know, even blind spots that we might have in our security process uh, that we partner with different companies that use the hackathons to test their current uh, security environment. I like that idea. I think it's uh, I mean, what part of my life at some point a couple of decades ago, which will age me now, um, I worked in that space, particularly in federal government, and we would deploy a, a series of teams to inside the organization and outside the organization to effectively attack ourselves. And there was never a time when we didn't find something that needed attention. Sometimes it wasn't that big a deal, and other times it might have been. So I do love the idea of running hackathons because they, they create these opportunities for ideation and new ideas and new thinking and also just getting the conversation uh, going because sometimes people are not either aware or savvy enough to, to talk about the topic so it gets a vocab and language going. Um, 
But it's great to see that you're dealing with it. And I know, uh, you know, the recent announcement of the um, acquisition of Alien Vault by AT&T gives you a, a significant uh, new uh, uh, arrow in your quiver to, to tackle these. There's, there's a lot of talk about some of the challenges being faced by healthcare globally. And I know it's definitely the case in, in North America, um, where funding is a challenge. Um, time to market uh, is always a pressure point that people want more for less money and they want it faster. We've got uh, this whole, I guess, uh, celebrity consumer experience that people want. Everyone wants the, um, the digital push the button now. And, you know, we're used to getting things immediately when we go to Netflix or iTunes to get music and video and download things. Where's the juggle? I mean, I, I think for a lot of these organizations, um, I guess it comes down to just trying to find the best value or the biggest value points. Um, when you talk to organizations, where do you see them fo- focusing on, on uh, how they can get you to provide the best value for them as far as leveraging these technologies goes? Is it, is it the, 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 the fundamental saving lives component on one side, or is it the other side of things operationally and, and saving money and saving time, or is there a blend in the middle that, that just needs to be found? There's definitely a blend in the middle, right? I think the questions that we, when we still look at the strategy, when I talk to many of these different healthcare leaders is how do we save lives while we spend less money and, you know, take less time to do so. <laughs> so it's got to be a combination of all. But you said many key things there Des, that I'd like to expand on. You're right, by the way, the spend on healthcare has grown significantly in the United States, uh, as you may be aware, we're talking about almost like 19% of our GDP is spent on it. Wow. Um, similar in, um, I think it's about 10% over in the UK and, um, and the EU. Um, so we're starting to see that the one difference though in the United States is that there's a lot of private investment. That is not happening in other places. Uh, and that private investment is allowing for more innovation over in the United States. And We've had a lot of conversations internationally about how do we how do we leverage that? Because here's the thing that all areas of the world are facing. One is that our people people are living longer, which is great news for us, right? I mean, like I said, my dad is 93, and I love it, and he's still all there. But what we're seeing is for the population that is 65 years old or older, they're starting to have you know, more than just one chronic disease. So as an example, a chronic disease might be diabetes and also having, I don't know, um, arthritis. And so the combination of them, what is the, what is it that is the impact to their lifestyle? Because as they live longer, we need to be able to provide care for more of them. And that continues to increase the cost of our healthcare needs. At the same time, uh, if, for example, in the United States, we have the reach issue as far as many rural areas of our country don't, don't have the same type of connectivity available. That's something that at least AT&T feels really, really vested on. We have our FirstNet story, which is uh, being able to support the FirstNet entity, a government entity of first responders that is building that first broadband network for them and that AT&T is the one building it and managing it for them. That will guarantee coverage in any rural area and coverage that is by, you know, we're thinking 2020, a great majority of our metro areas will have 5G. Why? Because that will allow for that connectivity that uh, enables telehealth to those remote areas. So now think of the person that is too sick to travel, that is able to have a doctor come and see him right via screen, whether that's, whether that's an iPad or Skype, uh, as we're communicating today, 
how um and and to be able to measure the person the doctor that is remote maybe you have a medical device that is delivered via drone this to the person's door and they can just put it on them and all this information is seamlessly loaded and analyzed immediately as the conversation takes place that is not a far away future of healthcare those technologies are all available right now it's just how do we provide it in a way again that saves lives in a most in the most cost efficient and timely manner so so many things happening in this space i i truly believe that the intersection that we're living through right now that is the combination of technologies like 5g and iot and others coming together with lower prices for connectivity, smaller form factors for chips, right? And the better batteries, all of this is coming together to create the perfect environment for the kind of innovation that is gonna push the way we receive, the way we consume healthcare differently than we've ever experienced before. It's interesting a lot of things you were talking about there with regard to the remote health and the size of the nations. I mean, America's a massive organi- uh, massive uh, country as far as the physical piece of dirt's concerned. And, you know, Australia's a similar position here in Australia. We, we call ourselves the sixth largest piece of dirt on the planet, and yet we only have 25 million people here. So, you know, you probably have that many people walking down the main street in Manhattan getting a sandwich for lunch some days. So, you know, we're, we're widely dispersed as well, and we've got a similar problem. We have, you know, uh, things like flying doctor services and other things. But as you mentioned before, connectivity out to most of the regional areas is, is challenging. Some places just don't have connectivity at all, and they've only got satellite phones for voice. And I was interested to see uh, recently, I think I read an article about AT&T and was it Softbox and Merck did some uh, test uh, payload flights with drones uh, uh, sending uh, medical supplies in Puerto Rico. Um, so, you know, this is interesting to see this stuff moving really quickly, but the connectivity point jumped out at me. I just made a note while you were talking there about the combination between connectivity in the, um, I guess, the more built-up urban areas and software-defined WAN and, and some of the, the technologies that are coming out now from AT&T that can make that better, as well as the juggle of, I guess, rolling out the, the wireless technology like 5G. Um, there was a thing I read the other day where something like one in three healthcare leaders saw software-defined wide area networking as an investment priority for them um, in, I think it was like over the next three years or so, mostly because they, they know that software-defined everything is coming about. We're all sort of thinking about cloudy uh, everything, particularly the, the infrastructure you're building. Um, where does software-defined networking, or SDN as we refer to it, um, fit into the space? Is it necessary to deploy some of these new technologies to get the type of patient experience we're talking about? Where, where does that fit in your mind? Well, I think, you know, you bring up a great point. So SD1 is one of the technologies that um, we need to learn more about, to be candid. Healthcare executives understand, or healthcare IT executives know that SD1 can help transform the business by centralizing, for example, network security. You can put it all together into one. More importantly is this scaling, right? Enhancing the scalability of the technology infrastructure and what do you mean by that? I mean, that's what I see is that we talked at AT&T, we have a term calling edge to edge, right? We're, we're serving our customers edge to edge. And, and I love to ask, what does edge to edge mean <laughs> to people? And, and what it really should mean is that the computing power, okay, is getting closer to the edge. It means that the ability to have data that we need in order to act is closer and closer, closer to my hand, 
whether that's holding a phone, whether that is having a subcutaneous implant right, that is sending information. But you need computing power closer to my hand so you can analyze that data faster and be able to act upon it faster. That's what SD1 does. It's not, um, I sometimes I tell healthcare providers, it's not a replacement technology for your existing infrastructure. It's an enhancement of that technology so you can extend the reach closer to where the computing power is coming and at the same time leverage that it is putting more nodes on your network closer to where the technology, the, the computing power is taking place to reduce the management costs across your whole infrastructure. But ultimately, SD1, just like 5G, just like many other of these critical elements of a network infrastructure, it needs to allow a business to simply transition between all these technologies so that the experience becomes truly mobile, right? So what I mean is you as a, as a consumer shouldn't worry about any of it. And that technology person, the provider, this healthcare IT executive needs to start thinking not just in terms of one technology, SD1, but in terms of how do the, all these technologies, SD1, maybe my MPLS network, my 5G network, my LTE network, my Wi-Fi, how do they all seamlessly transition data back and forth so that the experience is the best that we can do and we can have a greater reach across all of our environment and come to that solution that is edge-to-edge, as we like to say at at and yeah, I like that term edge to edge. It, it it is very much a reality for us. I mean, we you know, we're walking around with smartphones and we take movies, we take pictures, we send messages, but that data sits on our phone. And even though there are cloud solutions to store it, the bulk of us are carrying thousands of photos around and hundreds of movies or videos, and you know potentially thousands of messages and call logs. And uh, you know, I, I have to admit, I don't always back up that data, so I've just made a note I need to go and back up my phone and pictures. But um, it's more critical when it's in healthcare because if I'm walking around with a tablet and I've got records in there, I want them to be able to be, I guess, visible quickly. I don't want to have to go out to some data center on the other side of the country. That brings some interesting challenges. Now, I guess 5G is such a hot topic in this space. I'd love to get your insights on where 5G is enabling some of that because I can imagine that a lot of the digital transformation we've seen in the enterprise space in, in I guess traditional business outside of healthcare, they've leveraged um, what do we call it, like data-driven decisions and and data insights that, that allow them to do you know big data analytics on customer experience, uh, customer engagement, the number of sales that are going through, and, and all those basic things that we would do with business intelligence. Healthcare must be uh, uh, looking at how to get on the bleeding edge of your part in the pun of this as well. And I imagine five G is one of those technologies that's going to enable that because we can develop sort of in-building, in-campus, uh, you know, precinct-wide, as well as national coverage that gets us very low latency, high bandwidth uh, connectivity, not just for sensors, but, you know, getting live stream video from someone from remote telemedicine through to instantly seeing a scan that's done on the other side of the uh, campus for uh, somebody getting uh, healthcare right now. What, what do you see in, in the 5G space? I mean, it's such a hot, big topic, but in the context of, of healthcare, I'd love to get your insights on where 5G fits in all this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you said it best, right? First and foremost, I tell people 5G, think about 5G as, you know, super fast speeds and ultra low latency. So we've seen 5G deliver approximately 1.2 gigabits uh, of speeds 
and wow. latency runs of 10 milliseconds in the trial that we did in Waco. So when it comes to the specific use cases in healthcare around 5G, I don't know if you saw the announcement that we had with, with Rush Systems for Health that we, tr- uh, we signed an agreement to trial the first standard-based 5G-enabled hospital with them. And we plan to bring this concept of the hospital of the future, enabled by this kind of connectivity available, right, uh, seamlessly in the space, to see what is it that we're going to, um, to be able to develop as far as innovations in the healthcare space with the 5G. So to your point of MRIs, right, downloaded within seconds, or virtual visits with top doctors that can be like right there in front of you, rooms that are intelligently scheduled and managed, right? So, you know, today operating rooms and, and who, what bed is open and what room was being cleaned, all of this stuff, all of this seamlessly, AI is managing it for you. Just an AR, like we said, augmented reality in the way we train our medical students, in the way we perform operations. Uh, do um, Like you saw at the summit, we had the particular display right in our booth to be able to see what augmented reality could do as far as a surgeon coming in and performing surgery. So all these different possibilities that 5G finally enables because with that highest speed and low latency, then video communication becomes, and as well as, you know, real, what we call real time communication happens instantly. Yeah, That's the big differentiator. Um, and before where you needed to spend time to, for example, let's say that I'm going to go to a remote location and bring my, some think of it as clinic in a box, I guess, <laughs> or a mobile clinic. I'm going to park my little, uh, maybe a maybe room or, a trailer that has all the components to be a a mobile, a mobile medical center, I'm going to park it. And because of the connectivity, I'm going to be able to do anything that I could do before, instead of having to wait to build out a new clinic and have the high pipes, right, to go to connect so that we can have data being moving back and forth real time, that goes away. So this extending care beyond the four walls of a hospital is an incredible benefit of 5G that is definitely going to change the way we create better outcomes for patients anywhere. I always think about, uh, I think about it from the consumer point of view, and being a consumer, um, I, uh, I think about some of the transitions we've seen in, in uh, consuming content, for example. You know, we, we might have to, once upon a time, we'd log in a laptop and we'd you know, dial up on a modem and look at web pages. These days, it's just instantly on my phone on an app. Uh, all the way through to music and video where, you know, I'm listening to iTunes or Netflix with videos. I see that happening in the consumer space with sort of the B2C type of content we're consuming. When I think about what you're talking about there with remote health, mobile health, uh, you know, sort of health data center capabilities and comms in a box driven to a site, I can imagine similar shift is happening just as fast that in the same way we're consuming content as humans out there for entertainment, Health industry is moving just as fast as, if not faster, with the support of AT&T and, and what AT&T business can do. Um, are there any standout areas that you're seeing? I mean, I I did read the uh, collaboration you did with, I think it was uh, Rush University yeah. uh, Medical Center. Yes, and in Chicago. Yes, it really jumped out at me that that you know these technologies are here and now today. Like once, you know, probably three months ago, before I read that article, and certainly even when we chatted the other day at the summit, my mind was like, well, these are future technologies; they're coming, but. When I read that and saw some of the recent announcements, I realized, well, these are technologies that are here today. Even though 5G yes. is a new emerging technology, it's still being deployed. 
Um, you're obviously doing it today. That must be an interesting wake-up call for some of the healthcare providers. I imagine they've got a similar view in many ways that I have, and that is, oh, that used to be a future thing. But when you start talking about it as you just did, I mean, this is today. What's that experience like for them? It must be like a, a, an aha moment or a eureka moment. They're going, what, you can help us with 5G today. You can help us with software-defined WANs today. What's that experience like when you meet with them and you can tell them, well, no, AT&T Business and our healthcare uh, business unit can do that today. That, that must completely change their view on how they approach the next steps. Absolutely. That's, uh, I mean, when you say eye-opening, there's, um, you, you've got the chance to see our booth so you could see it, right? And there's such power in showing what we can do versus just talking in theory. So to your point, I think that many today healthcare IT providers are thinking, oh, technology developments are coming. And then there's a few that are realizing, oh, it's here and it's beyond me. And, and then there's that, that really elite few that say, boy, I'm behind. Because the truth is, um, technology is moving much faster than ever. And you've, you've said a couple of times today, um, consumer, right? As a consumer, I, as a consumer, I. The truth is, that's the other element that they are not understanding. Uh, or maybe not taking into consideration that while we might put whatever plans we want, the more technology is deployed to consumers, the more it's going to change their expectations of the type of care they want to receive. So if you think about it, um, the evolution that we've seen so far, we saw many, many for many years, right? If we had a problem, we made a doctor's appointment and we went to the hospital. But this need to have things faster and closer to us and at the time that we want, it sprung this opening of small care centers, right? So you have these small clinics, uh, even the grocery store has an area where they have a doctor on call. So if you feel like you, you, you know, your throat is hurting, you can go in there, they can do a quick test and, you know, say that you have a strep throat and immediately with the pharmacy they have on site, they're going to give you your medicine and you walk out. So, you know, you come in for a flat fee, they give you the test, they give you the outcomes and they give you the solution and you walk out. Well, that, they, that, that was an evolution, right? Now they want it at home. I want my device to look at me through the technology existing today and scan me. And you've heard of the investment in medical devices today that are um, just wearables, starting to measure things like blood pressure and being able to see if my heart rate is where it needs to be. So moving from monitoring to actionable insight, right? Things that create us to get to action is here. So when we start showing them, and a lot of our different strategy discussions take place in Dallas or in Houston, because in Houston we have the foundry, and here in Dallas we also have a foundry, which are our centers of innovation, so if you must be aware. And we take them and give them a tour of the things that we have in place today. And the foundry here in Plano, which is right outside of Dallas, is a suburb of Dallas, actually has 5G enabled now so that we can show what it can do. It opens their minds. And the beauty of here, Des, is that when we talk about it, I haven't met a leader that didn't immediately right, shift in their mind the sense of urgency around the speed that they need to take to migrate to these new technologies, which personally I think is what's driving this digital transformation and the acceleration of digital transformation in the healthcare space. We still need to be mindful right, in healthcare any kind of new medication or new device or new digital therapeutic protocol that we put in place must prove efficacy and safety. 
so we um so we have to be careful that's why we we move slow in this space however we can and should be looking at how we can expedite and accelerate how we use technology to create those solutions faster and bring them to you as a consumer in the way you want no, i like that that's a nice wrap up the um the wake up call uh i think a lot of people get concerned that they feel they don't know enough to have the conversation or that, that they're a bit afraid of this wake up call but i think it's something to be rushed at not hidden away from and it, uh, one of the things i'd love my listeners to do is jump online and just uh do a web search for AT&T Hospital of the Future. Uh, there's a really great article and a good video that describes all the things you're talking about that are here and now today. And uh, speaking of, of here and now today, we have um, the uh, Health Industries um, uh, HIMSS event coming up in, in just days or a couple of weeks. I would love to uh, pivot to that just briefly uh, before we wrap up and, and get some insights on the kind of what we can expect. I know you, uh, from memory, you're keynoting, you've got a track, you've got an amazing uh, pavilion uh, stand there. Uh, what can you share without giving away too many things or without giving us a spoiler alert, as it were? Uh, what's coming up around the corner at Hims? Oh, I just encourage everybody that is going to come to Hims to stop by our booth because what we will have is going to blow your mind. We are starting to... So you saw the operating room of the future, right, at Summit. I we're did. bringing it back, but we're, but we're bringing it to a whole new level. So what the last time you had... Uh, a couple of devices on your, you know, that you could use to try to see how augmented reality would work. Um, the virtual reality, actually. This time, we're bringing technology that will have augmented reality for you to use in there, and it's going to blow your mind. Um, and it's going to show some of the use cases of how we can use augmented reality in healthcare to completely change the paradigm of how we look at care. Um, I'm so excited. And we have a couple of announcements that are going to be lined up there of things that we will be doing already as a trial in a couple of other areas. So not just Rush, something else is coming as well with a different partner uh, on augmented reality um, use case that is very specific to them, I'm which I'm excited. excited about. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes, yes. And uh, I'm going to commit you to jump on camera and tell me more about it there. I did, I did love... Oh, for uh, sure. In fact, the summit, the thing I loved was when you walked straight into that whole innovation uh, floor... And there were, I think there were like six things ranging from, uh, you know, retail and manufacturing and smart cities through to uh, FirstNet and various things. And I think there was a banking and finance one. But the one that caught my eye was the health one. And I think as you walked in, it was on the right-hand corner. I, I think I spent uh, a, the better part of an hour or so each day of the three days there just watching people's reactions to it. Because uh, the thing that really gets me here is, you know, what you've done very well to convey is that this technology is here. It's now. It's today. Uh, your team uh, at AT&T can talk about it immediately. They can deliver it. You've got your centers of excellence in different areas around networking and the infrastructure. Um, it was interesting to see uh, some of the practitioners coming to the event at the summit and getting hands-on and seeing it. And what was interesting is when they walk away, you know when someone sees something and they walk away from it, they're talking to their, their associates or their peers, and they were like, oh, I didn't know this was working now, and that was surprising, and we should get that. And it was quite neat just to stand there and watch that as a bystander uh, to see their, their, their eyes light up and, and realize, well, we can, we can talk to AT&T about this today. So I imagine that hymns, you've got some exciting new things to come about, and I can't wait to get there. Now, before we wrap up, I would love to uh, get you to gaze into a virtual crystal ball for me. I love to hand my guests a virtual crystal ball before we wrap up. If I was to hand you a virtual crystal ball, uh, Maria, and ask you, just gaze into it for a moment. Um, what do you see as, as some of the biggest shifting trends coming over the horizon the next 12 to 18 months? We've talked a lot about the technologies. We've talked about some of the consumer challenges and definitely you've given us some great insights on what at and is doing with the providers in the healthcare industry. 
Are there areas that you think maybe people um, may not expect to shift? I, I, I don't know what they might be, but are there any insights that, given that you are literally at the bleeding edge of the stuff, you'll pardon the pun, um, what things can we see coming over the next 12 to 18 months? What big shifts do you think are going to uh, surprise us? You know, I think the use of robotics in the healthcare space in the next three to five years is going to surprise us. Because while you and I, you know, have been talking about the possibilities of telehealth, which is, you know, something you can wrap your head around, how robotics comes into place once we have the infrastructure in place and the AI working in a way that really comes into play as far as understanding the healthcare algorithms that we need to have, just elevates the transformation uh, tenfold. So that's an area that I think is definitely going to revolutionize things even more. Uh, like I said, telehealth is only going to grow. The data piece, it really is, um, is this hardnessing, right, of real-world health data right now and how we can put it together and how consumers, when they finally are being put in charge of their healthcare data, what are they going to do with that? Because remember, the element that is a variable that changes the future, no matter what kind of crystal ball you have, is always the user, <laughs> right? I like um, that. So um, if I can give you a, a quick little, I know we're running out of time, but it's something for you guys to think about. I, I love to look at the past because I think knowing your past helps you understand the future. And back in 2007, when the iPhone first came out, Right. At the time, if you guys remember, the leader of all um, mobile devices was BlackBerry. And the CEO of BlackBerry came out and said, you know, the iPhone is a terrible phone. So he wasn't too concerned. You know, guys, he was right. The iPhone to this day still is not really the best phone. I mean, how many of you, you know, have something hung up and you call right back? What he missed totally is that the iPhone is not what iPhone is today because of the phone capability, but it's because what he was able to do from a remote control of your life, right? It became a platform for applications that you've now used daily on many different things. That's where I think it's going to happen in healthcare. We can't concentrate just on the replacement of what we think current healthcare solutions are. I think it's that shifting of our mind to beyond just the traditional healthcare solutions, what can happen to a world in which Telehealth, right, allows for, for the doctor practice to be anywhere, the sharing of data, and that consumer owning its, his or her data, being able to drive demand of the healthcare ecosystem, and the use of robotics and AI and AR inside a space, all of this while keeping it secure. Uh, believe it or not, that it also comes into the education of the future healthcare providers. Right. And I and I talk on a sec way and we can talk about this in another time, but how important it is today for our children to make sure that the values and principles that we teach them stay there. Because when it's a device that is making a decision and we have to train that device with our logic to make sure that we're making the right ethical decision is going to be key to how things develop in the future. So security, data, how it transforms things, robotics, telehealth. AI, AR, these are the things that uh, my current uh, crystal ball tells me will be shifting and shaping the way healthcare moves in the next couple of years. Maria, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. And thank you so much for, for making time to catch up with me in the studio. It's been great to just get a bit more insight into you personally and what, you, what your role entails. And uh, I'm really looking forward to catching up with him in, in a couple of weeks. Maria, it's been a pleasure. Really, really great fun chatting with you. It's always good to talk to you, Des. Have a good one. See you all.